Hi everyone, my name's Steve Tudor and welcome to the Friday Show. It's a show that thinks, war, what's it good for? Absolutely nothing, say it again. On today's pod, we're looking ahead to a really testing trip to Goodison and trying to look back as little as possible to a rare and unnerving loss to an all-conquering Tottenham. I haven't checked their result against Burnley yet, I'm assuming they won. We also have a little quiz, because why not? To discuss all this, I'm delighted to be joined by three Friday Amigos in the form of Chris, Harry and an Evertonian who is so sound, I suspect he's a closet Burt, Andy Smith. Hi Andy, you well pal? Yeah, I'm not too well, thank you Steve. How are you pal? I'm good. Are you aware of the term Burt? No mate, it's a new one on me that. It's something kind of City fans have claimed for themselves. It started off as a bit of a a jibe by United fans years back um, from a, a cartoon they had in the fanzine. So uh, if you if you're a true blue, you're a Bert. <laughs> but you know, different shades of blue, maybe. But you're also a true blue. So there we go. We're all true blues today. Uh, Chris, are you there, man? Yeah, I'm good. Morning, everyone. So uh, I'm glad it's the end of the week. It's it's oh, one of those yeah. weeks. Yeah. It's one of those weeks where um, uh, at the beginning of the week I thought I've got a hell of a week ahead of me, and now I've come to the end of it. It isn't too bad. I'm just I'm just glad that we're. I'm I'm keen to get back in city, getting a match again. Yeah. It's been a long kind of six days, hasn't it? Well, um, as we'll kind of discuss later, I am actually quite nervous about this one, but um, so I'll, I'll be glad when, you know, three one up maybe with a couple of minutes <laughs> to go, but if that's indeed the case. Uh, Harry, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Uh, I'd probably echo that. It's been quite a mental week from from Tottenham and then one of my best friends got engaged in midweek and made me feel really old. Um, so <laughs> it's been, it's been, yeah, it's been, it's been quite a week. Mate, I think I've probably got mates somewhere who are on their third wives by now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, let's get into this. And um, before we look ahead, I guess we've got to look back and the loss to Tottenham, which we're not going to discuss. We all know what happened. But the kind of fallout from that um, is the fact that after Liverpool won midweek, there's now three points in it. It's clearly a title race. Um, I want to start with you. Actually, I want to start with you, Andy, because from kind of... An Evertonian perspective, I know that you kind of follow City closely on Twitter. You see a lot of the, the, the crap that's written about us. Basically, everyone else was getting written off, weren't they? And it was assumed that City had won the league. And there was all these articles coming out saying that, you know, we were anti-competitive and that we'd kind of, you know, reduced it all to a one, one-horse one race. In hindsight, I mean, that was so premature, wasn't it? Yeah, it always was. The, the, the problem is with the media is there's, there's such an influence from Liverpool fans when you look at the major newspapers, like the Northwest Correspondents are all Liverpool fans, mm. and they pick their narrative, what they want the end of the story to be, and then they'll just write whatever they want to fit that ending. Yeah. So now we can go from, you know, when Man City looked like they were going to win it comfortably, um, Liverpool were still the people's champions, and Manchester City were just spending, you know, buying the league. And now we've got this plucky underdog story of Liverpool fighting oh. back with a with a £600 million squad, you know, you know, yeah. plucky underdogs coming back. So I think, um, you know, as, as a, you know, if you're a City fan, I just ignore what the what the papers say. Um, Is that possible to do though? I mean, Chris, are you able to ignore it? Uh, yeah, I do because it's um, what the media says is just one 
bundle of noise of which I have a whole cacophony of noises to ignore throughout the week, mm. <laughs> get it personally and professionally. I think to follow on what Andy was saying, the whole narrative around City being um, unhealthy for the league, for me, it, it was the it was the focus of the lens that they were looking at. Is the focus was always on City? This is what City have done. This is what City have spent in order to um, kind of uh, you know. Uh, obscure the, the, the truth. There was never any focus on what Liverpool and Chelsea had failed to do in mm. that period of time where we'd taken that advantage. And I think what's really important is is there are there are two very clear elements to why we are where we are now with an with a tight with a genuine title race on. The first one is that City have dropped five points over a relatively short period of time with a draw and a loss. But but coupled with that is that Liverpool are on an excellent run of form. And so, so the reason it, it isn't just because City have lost, it's because Liverpool have also found some form and have been consistent. That was never challenged by the media generally. The fact is a big part, it takes two to tango and a big part of City's pulling away was because the other two challengers, Liverpool and particularly Chelsea, but Liverpool as well, were failing to capitalise on having one of the best squads in the league. So it's just noise that I, that I refuse to engage with um and yeah we do have a title race now and you, and it's it's exciting as it is anxiety <laughs> inducing <laughs> but we've coped with them before and we'll cope with them again and and the the old adage is a cliche but it's true the best team will win the league um yeah. and we'll see where we are come may okay well moving on to what is what was, what was always a title race but now is very clearly a title race Harry, how do you see this kind of playing out from here on in? I mean, so much emphasis has been put on City v Liverpool in, in April. But I personally believe that this title will be won and lost by whoever just loses at home to Burnley. You know what I mean? There's going to be one result out there which is just going to throw it. Um, how do you personally see it? Um, I'm going to be honest. I, I completely have no idea because I think Liverpool... To their credit, have surprised me with how consistent they've been in the last couple of months. Yeah. Um, when they when they lost to Leicester, uh, the King Power, uh, I know a lot of Liverpool fan mates of mine are just like, "Look, it's your title, not just because of the result tonight, just how we're playing." And that was with Salah and Mane before they went off to the Afcon. Yeah. They were panicking about losing them to the Afcon and then losing more games, but you know they didn't drop a point when they were away and they've come back and they've both sort of hit the ground running again. So I think we just got to give them sort of credit for for being just as consistent and giving us an actual title race because you know football fans find any way to moan so it's honestly not surprising that we go from the best team that's ever lived to vastly overrated within one result um but in context 43 points from a possible 48 post palace i think it is uh it's, it's still sensational form yeah um so we just probably gotta accept that liverpool are also excellent and this isn't going to be a year that we completely romp to the title of course, I was frustrated losing to Spurs, but you know it's how it is. Uh, it may just give them the kick up the arse they need to show that they just sort of can't relax and and need to maintain the high standards that they've set um, in that little run that they had un- until the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, I definitely want to get into that when we we look at the Everton game because I, I really do think that City players who are going to be not have a point to prove, they've got nothing to prove, mm-hmm. but they're going to be kind of really revved up for this one. Um, yeah, but before we get to that, Andy, kind of. Let's say that Liverpool were level on points with City right now, not three points adrift. Who would your money be on for the title? Um, it is it is a tough one, um, but I'd still I'd, I'd still go City. Um, 
I just I don't think I think I think Harry summed it up really well there. I think people want to panic because they've dropped um, five points in a couple of games, but your form has also been excellent. Mm. Just Liverpool have also been excellent too. Um, it's just that you know the way Man City play, they they will always, no matter who they're playing, they'll always ask their two centre backs and Carl Walker, especially to win a lot of one on one battles because teams will when they get the ball back and they break quickly on you. And Harry Kane was just sensational the way he held the ball up and the way that he was able to then bring others into tack and support him. And you just didn't win enough one-on-one battles in that area, but it's very rare that that happens. And like I said, I don't think it's anything City need to to worry about. And I think it will go down to the wire, but that makes it more exciting for the neutrals, definitely. And with hindsight, hopefully for you guys, when you look back and you've won it. I mean, what we have to look at, I think, is not just, obviously, you know, three out of the four of us here are City fans, so we want City to win the league for that reason. Obviously, Andy, you want City to win the league because you don't want <laughs> Liverpool to win the league. But also, the, the kind of, the, the greater um, meaning is that if Liverpool do go on to win the league this year, as, I can't remember which of you said so, but you were bang on the money because it's going to be portrayed as this greatest comeback of all time, uh, like a miracle, when it was never anything thus. Mm. I mean... I think at one point they were um, several points adrift, but they had three games in hand. Um, someone has said on Twitter today, a Liverpool fan saying, nobody, no, everybody said that we wouldn't win those games. Nobody said you you weren't going to win those games. But they're creating this narrative that it was against the odds somehow. And it's the, um, the partisan Liverpool media are very confused, I think. I think they have a significant identity crisis because if you look at some of the facts, it, it's that... Liverpool are either described as the best team in Europe yeah. or they're either described as having the smallest squad and they are, and they are minnows compared to City's wealth. Yeah. But, if, but if they're the best team in Europe, they've only won two trophies. Now, granted, those trophies are the Premier League and the Champions League. So if you're going to win two trophies, you might as well win those. But at the same time, if they're the best team in the league, then over a period of time, then surely they should have had a more significant haul of of, of trophies. And and yeah, and this idea, like you say, this idea that Liverpool have you know have been plucky and have fought back is an absolute. Liverpool are now currently playing to the level I expected them to play yes. for the entirety of the season. Yeah, and the fact that they've left it so late, possibly too late is a damning indictment of Klopp, really. Um, But of course, what it does, it's a perfect ingredient for this notion of romance. And as we know, Liverpool are the people's champions and it's romance and sentimentality which which fuels that entire um, agenda. I Going back to your point, Steve, about it's going to whoever loses against Burnley, I actually think that this running now might be about who draws... Because as we know, drawing a game can be as damaging as losing yeah. a game when it's when it's this tight. And and I think that Liverpool are in a very good form, in a great position. I think we've got a slightly more favourable run in, but there are a number of games that Liverpool have where I think they might not lose, but they might draw. And that's what it might come down to: who draws the most games over in the last twelve games of the season. Okay. Well, in order to prevent Liverpool from winning the title and <coughs> to prevent plays being written and performed at the Liverpool <laughs> Empire with former Brookside actors talking about you know miracles and whatnot. And um, we need the three points against Everton tomorrow. So Andy, could could you put a word in? Is that possible? Uh, for Man City managing to come to Goodison Park and sneak three points. Yep. 
I think you've got a chance, you know, and not, uh, not, not a big one. No, I think, um, I mean, our last two home games since Lampard's come in under Brentford and Leeds, like Goodison, has, it has been a bear pit. We've been, the fans have driven the players and the players have driven the fans and yeah. the two of the better performances that we've seen in the last few years, to be honest. Uh, but of course, that's against Brentford and Leeds. It's not against Manchester City, but with it being a half-five kickoff, there'll be... The, the the crowd will be revved up for this one. Um, Pissed is what you're saying. <laughs> I'm, go, I'm going for the polite version of revved up <laughs> yeah. there, Steve. Um, but yeah, no, uh, I mean, myself personally, there's like 16 of us on a supporters coach coming over from where I live in Chorley and half of us are meeting in the pub at 12. So, mm. you know, and, and I think there'll be a lot of people that are starting even earlier than that. <laughs> um, and it, it's just whether they're brave enough to play the way that they want to play against the Man City side where, you know, we try and win the ball under Frank Lampard at home. We try and win the ball very high up the pitch, you know, implementing that against a team that moved the ball as well as City is going to be very, very difficult. So it's going to be interesting to see how we adapt to that. But the crowd will be will, will be right on it. I don't think, like, the Man City players and Man City fans will have seen Goodison like this for how it will be tomorrow because a, a lot of times when we play uh, it is quite friendly in the sense that Everton don't have much to play for you need the points to mm. uh, to catch Liverpool so not that we give them to you but there's kind of like obviously Everton want to win the game but come full time they're not too fussed but tomorrow will be very different with the, the situation that they're in so I think it will be a new experience for some of the uh, some of the players of course if you're tuning up after 15 minutes it's not going to count for much but um I think um, I think it'd be really interesting. The first fifteen twenty minutes of the game will will have a big say in how uh, how the full time result ends up. Well, I mean, I was looking into the kind of the stats, and Everton have conceded first more than any club. I think it's apart from Norwich. Uh, I might be wrong, and Norwich maybe Watford as well. Um, so they concede first so often. I mean, obviously, a lot of that was pre Lampard, so it's, it's unfair to judge him on that. I guess. Um, and City score early as well. I mean, we typically score early. So I'm with you on that. The first 20 minutes are going to be so key. Um, I just want to stay with you, Andy, as regards to what you were saying there about the two home games. Because the two away games, Everton have been anything but playing on the front foot, haven't they? And uh, anything but impressive. Is there a danger that you're going to become, for this season at least, a Jekyll and Hyde side? Um, I'd take Jekyll and Hyde because it means we've got a good yeah. side, to be honest, mate. Um yeah. Because uh, we don't have much of that. To be fair to the, the Newcastle and Southampton games, both games we actually started quite well. The first twenty minutes, we were a bit loose on the ball against Newcastle, but the the idea and what they were trying to do was right. And then we just kind of fell off a cliff. And it, it, same against Southampton for twenty minutes, we were very good. We were a better team. Richarlison missed a great chance. We had a penalty that I've. I've never in a million years understand why VAR wouldn't give it. It's a mm. handball in the box. Let's travel 25 yards. But after that, Southampton absolutely mauled us. Like it wasn't just, uh, I mean, two nil probably didn't do it justice for uh, come full time. So th- there's a severe lack of confidence in the squad. And of course, you know, Lampard and they brought in a big coaching squad. They're the learning a completely different way. So we've, we've just got to apply patience and, Hopefully, get to the end of the season, stay up relatively comfortably, come come the end of it, uh, and have a good pre-season. I've got full trust in Frank Lampard, but we are going to have some up and down days before we get it right. There's no question about that. Well, I generally Andy, hope to stay I, up. 
Sorry, Harry. Andy, I was just going to say, have you got trust in the people above Lampard to, to deliver for him? <laughs> um, no, yes and no. I mean, Mashiri always, he tries to do the right thing, but he listens to the wrong people, in my opinion. Um, mm. I think Everton have got a reputation as a bit of a hire and fireman. I don't really think that's necessarily fair. I mean, when Martinez, Martinez was there and Mashiri took over, it was absolutely the right thing for Martinez to go at that time. He completely lost the dressing room and the fans. Uh, he tried to get um, Emery, Emery and his manager from Sevilla at the time, and Monchi, who was director of football. Unfortunately, that didn't quite happen, so we ended up with Steve Walsh and Ronald Koeman. That, Koeman was given 18 months, and the last two months he was dreadful. Instead, he got Allardyce in temporarily. Then he went and got Marco Silva, who was his man. He lasted 18 months, and then he went and got Ancelotti. Um, Ancelotti was still be here now if he hadn't have walked away to Real Madrid. Uh, of course, the Rafa Benitez was a terrible, terrible choice. And even Rafa Benitez, you know, he had to. He won one out of 14 games before he was eventually sacked. So he was given. You know, it doesn't matter what team you are in the Premier League. If you go on that run, you, you know, you're not going to keep your job. So I think um, it, it, they just need to s- stop listening to Keir Jarabchin as much and uh, just find an identity of who they want to be and stick to it. And I think that's what they're trying to do at the moment. And I just hope it lasts. Chris, I just want to kind of look mm-hmm. at the psychology of this weekend's game. Um, Everton... We'll be up for this. We know it's going to be bouncing at Goodson. We know exactly what Frank Lampard's going to say to the players, you know, feed off the crowd and et cetera. And it's the right way for them to go about it. City, is there any chance that there's going to be self-doubt in that dressing room after what happened against Tottenham? Or am I just reading too much into it? Is it just a singular defeat? I... It's obviously not being privy to the conversations in the dressing room, but it's hugely unlikely. Mm. An infrastructure that we have in that dressing room um, and the way the the intelligence of the way those players play, a part of that is the way they deal with adversity and the rare occasions that it emerges. The City team, quite simply, are made of sterner stuff. I think the anxiety lies within us and I think it's it's a historic thing in that... Going to Goodison and being anxious about it from a City fan's point of view, it feels now more like a historic thing. And it was very much uh, synonymous with David Moyes. Um, and it was very difficult to go to Goodison Park under Moyes. For City, it's become increasingly a, a less... Um, challenging fixture it, it that that's not a, that's not a slur on uh, Everton it's more to do with the way City have managed to navigate that and I, it, it's you know I, 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 I said in a Twitter exchange uh, with, with somebody this week uh, uh, after we'd done the pod the review pod on Monday that effectively one game last Saturday has changed the whole narrative around the around the league which means one game can change it back again um, and you know, and, and it's you know, if Liverpool was to if Liverpool were to drop points against Leeds in the week, and we went against Everton, suddenly the whole kind of environment changes. So, I would be very surprised if any of the if any of the the, the players in the City squad are feeling anxious. It's more a case of as Guardiola has shown that he's done in the past couple of seasons. He's addressed he's addressed what the issue is, and and rectified it. And also, let's be really clear about this. Tottenham's performance and result against Burnley in the week 
only exemplifies what an anomaly that result on mm. Saturday actually was. It yeah. doesn't represent City at the moment. Categorically, it doesn't. We are no longer defensively suspect as we were under early, early Guardiola uh, 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 period. You just have a look at the stats. So uh, I, I would be confident going into a game against anybody this weekend because I know that this City team are resilient and can, and, and can answer the critics in the following fixture. Well, I mean, City I have only lost, sorry, um, they've lost once back to back in the last five years in the league. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in terms of resilience, you said there, um, you know, we've got that in spades. Um, what were you going to say, sorry, mate? No, I was just going to say, I don't know what, what you think, you two think, but, you know, all the stuff coming out of the dressing room from the media in the week, I thought was, was quite positive that they just sort of all sat down at full time and just was frank that we just didn't mark Harry Kane well enough and sort of put it behind him. There was no sort of massive inquest into where it went wrong it was just we identified the problem and we've put it behind us and we're focusing on the next game yeah well okay let's let's look at the next game and, and the makeup of it um how do you how do you predict the lineup to kind of shape up um am i right in saying that Grealish and Palmer are out but Jesus could well um, return Grealish is back in training yesterday actually right uh, I'm not sure on, on on his availability I'm sure Pep will probably clear that up at 1.30 I, I, I cannot see him starting if that's sort of where, you, where you're at um, I've, I've no idea what's what's happening with Palmer I've absolutely no idea I think Jesus was back as well yesterday so but I've no idea what's happening with Palmer but I, I can't see any of the three of them being involved anyway to be completely honest Um it's going to be interesting to see the team actually, you know, from a defeat. What does he do? Does he sort of stick with the same guys and just persevere with that? Or does he just change a few things up? Mm-hmm. Um, I think Saturday was the first time in a, in, in a, a while we'd seen him go back to De Bruyne in the, oh, it wasn't De Bruyne actually, it was like a midfielder in the front three as a false. Nine. I think it was Bernardo for a, a long while yeah. uh, that played there. Uh, so maybe he refers back to the sort of normal front three that we've seen of, of Mara, Sterling uh, and Foden. Um, that's possibly the only change I could, I could see him see him see him doing. To be completely honest, um, Andy, what about from an Everton perspective? Decora is possibly back for for, for Everton, um, but obviously Jerry Mina's out. How, how big a loss has, has Mina been? Yeah, he's, he, he's ever since he's come to Everton, he, he's probably played about sixty percent of the games. Yeah. Yeah. And if you look at our win record when he plays in those sixty percent games, it's massively, you know, it massively outweighs obviously how we are without him. Uh, he's he's a funny one, Jeremy, because I don't think people realise how good he is because he he moves a bit awkwardly. He never looks like he's comfortable on the ball, but he is. He he just he's just one of those where because he's so tall, he looks like he's all arms and legs. But he's he's a good leader of the back line. Um, excellent in the air, very good on the ball, uh, and. You know, he's our most complete defender, and probably our second best defender is, in my opinion, at centre half is Ben Godfrey. He's also out, so it'll be Keane Holgate um, at, at at the back. And Holgate doesn't worry me too much against Man City, but Michael Keane does because whilst he's good in the air, positionally mm. pretty sound, if you run at him. He, he, and he's got a turn quickly. He looks like he's going to trip over his own feet. And the way Man City play, moving the ball in between, you know, sharply at the end of the box and trying to find that gap, it that's a big worry for me. But, um, yeah, we'll just have to see how we go. What about um, 
players who are particularly informed for Everton this season or particularly since kind of Lampard's talked that there ain't anyone we should be kind of wary of who we may not be kind of aware of playing so well right now? Um, well, Demar Gray's not played too much under Lampard. He picked up a knock right at the start of the Newcastle game, but he's he's been outstanding this season. Uh, I mean, when we signed him for 1.7 million, I, I don't think people were massively excited about it, but he's he's been consistently excellent excellent uh, Anthony Gordon uh, someone you might not have seen too much of he's probably uh, hitting his best form since he's coming to the Everton team um, and you know Richarlison is looking sharp as well so um, on the flip side of that Calvert-Lewin looks absolutely way off since he's come back yeah, into the team yeah uh, I don't know whether it's whether you know there's rumours that his head's been turned or he's just struggling to get back into the rhythm, having had quite a long period out. I'm not sure, um, but yeah, I, I think obviously it'd be interesting to see if Demi Gray is back, how he goes. But you know, for City fans who's not seen much of Anthony Gordon, I'd, I'd, I'd give him a watch and yeah. see what you think of him on Saturday. He's, he's got goal scorer written all over him. It's always kind of an Anthony Gordon type goal score for Everton against City. You know what I mean? That kind of a local hero. Um, I can just see it now. Um, okay, the nerves are back. Chris. Jesus, Steve. My <laughs> God. I came on this morning full of full, full of life. You absolutely drained me, mate. <laughs> okay. Well, change your mind then, Chris. How do, you see it? How do you see it playing out then tomorrow? Um, so just just quickly with the lineup, um, I, I hope he he, re, he returns to default and we get Bernardo back in the midfield. I think yeah. Bernardo's absence mm-hmm. against Spurs was significant. I love Gundogan and I, and I, it really troubles me he doesn't get more playing time. But the minute that front three of Sterling, Foden, and Mares and the middle of Bernardo, Rodri, and KDB are our strongest front six, and I think he should persevere with that. I'd bring Stones back in and drop Laporte, but but who knows what Guardiola will do. I think that it's. I think it's really interesting for um, uh, for for Lampard and Everton because, as Andy alluded to, this sense of trying to create an identity that, that they are once again in a transition period. It's like Everton have been in a series of kind of short term relationships and they're constantly in transition. That's really hard and taxing for a club and a fan base to have to go through. And I do hope that Lampard turns out to be a really well-measured appointment because I think he can bring something different that the others uh, weren't able to mm. bring. But it, I I do wonder, I, I think Andy's right, I think Everton, I think Lampard's style of, of pressing quite high up the pitch can can ask questions of our bat line. I just wonder whether he'll start like that. Because, you know, I, I wonder whether he'll just play a low block, which on a small pitch can be really challenging to, 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 to penetrate. Um, early goal, might be really significant for City. However, this season we've seen that that if we don't get a goal before half time, it doesn't affect the team. They come out and remain patient. I think it's more likely that Lampard may put them out pragmatically and drop a little bit deeper. Uh, and if it plays that way, then it'll just fall into that pattern of the ball going side to side until we can find. Um, yeah. A way through, but if he does play like that, I would be actually confident of us w- winning the game because once we've got one goal, the whole it, it absolutely flips. So, so I, I don't obviously I don't know, but I think it's possible that Lampard may be more uh, pragmatic. But Andy may be able to kind of tell me to tell me otherwise in terms of what he's seen over the past uh, few games since Lampard's been in post. Well, um, just first of Harry, how do you see it playing out? Because, I mean, I, I go along with every word there. If I see in the first couple of minutes that Everton are playing a little, a touch deeper than, than expected, 
Mm. Great, you know what I mean? Those nerves I mentioned before, they'll evaporate. Um, what about yourself? How do you see it playing out? Yeah, I think you, you, you lot have kind of summarised everything I thought as well, to be fair. Um, yeah, it's, it is definitely about the opening 20 minutes. It's about how we react to that sort of last-minute uh, goal against Spurs. Um, and it probably could go one or two ways. We we could go into a shell, but I don't I don't think we'd do that. We've, we've not done that in the past. Um, and we're the type of team that could just come out and score three goals within 20 minutes and then the game's done. Um, so it, it really just depends on what we start. But I think you lot have summarised it quite well. We'd probably prefer Everton to to sit back a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm not entirely sure what sort of Lampard's game has been against Guardiola in the past. I don't think he's faced him much. Um, mm. In fact, the only time I can remember him beating him was that sort of dead rubber when Liverpool ended up winning the title. Um, so, so yeah, it depends how he wants to set up. And of course, obviously facing us with Everton is completely different to facing us when he was Chelsea manager as well. Andy, at the start of the pod, you kind of made a joke about the kind of, well, you were basically alluding to how tough it's going to be for Everton tomorrow. Um, do you see Everton getting any uh, points, three points, or are you as pessimistic as I am about the team's chances? <laughs> uh, um, I, you know, as Chris was talking about there, because we, we're going through yet another transition, um, I don't really know what to expect. Obviously, if you play Man City, if you're going to get something, Everton are going to have to play, you know, somewhere near the top of their capabilities. Um, and like judging by the, like I say, the previous two home performances, while it's not the Man City standard, they've beaten what's in front of them very, very well. Um, I'm as intrigued as to see what's going to happen tomorrow as well. Uh, Lampard uh, is, while slight tweaks in the formation, we've set out the same way to press high at the pitch to try and win the ball. Sometimes it's worked successfully, sometimes it's not. But we haven't come across a, a team of the calibre of Man City. So in terms of um, whilst we got mauled by Southampton, you can go to St Mary's and set out to try and dominate the game. Um, whereas you can't do that against Pep Guardiola and Manchester City. So... I'm I'm interested to see how how we go tomorrow. Whether we go ultra brave, ultra defensive, or try and find the right balance in the middle. Um, but yeah, I I I I actually fancy us to uh, to pick up a point tomorrow. Mm, that's, uh, yeah. Um, okay, we'll score a prediction then. One one two two. Um, um, two two. <laughs> Good, okay. Um, Chris, what about yourself? Score prediction. Uh, 2-0 City I'm afraid sorry Andy <laughs> Harry yeah, I don't think we keep a clean sheet I'm going to go 3-1 even though I've been really pessimistic this whole I, I'm going to go 3-1 City I've just got a gut instinct it's going to be 3-1 the reason I'm pessimistic is because it's going to be so so tough and nervy but um, and I just can't be arsed with that this weekend I, I, I want us to be playing Norwich at home this weekend <laughs> but, but Steve is it Really, is it? Th- think about it. This whole cityitis thing, right? People are trying to, fans on Twitter who were losing their shit over the first loss in, in God knows how long were saying it's cityitis. It's for, okay for me, it's just very briefly, it wasn't. Spurs were excellent, and City 
they underestimated them. That's not Cityitis. Cityitis is where it's a complete shit show. They don't know what they're doing. City underestimated Spurs. But what was critical is that Spurs were clinical and they took, what, what was it, 80%, 85% oh. of their chances. Okay? So Andy, Andy's saying about in terms of what you've got to do, you've got to, you've got to play at, at your very peak of your capacity to get anything out of City. The key thing you've got to do is to be clinical. And when you turn the ball over or when you regain possession, you've got to pretty much 95% of the time keep it and pass it and keep hold of the ball. And when the opportunity arrives in the box, you've got to score. Otherwise, you will get nothing from City. Spurs did that. And they're the only team to have done that, probably bar Palace. But against Palace, we were just poor on that day. So mm. I'm not nervy about the game because I think we're playing an Everton side who are who are still at the beginning stages of that transition and their recent victories have been against teams like Leeds who have been asking for it and and so so I understand the default but I'm just I'm I'm not feeling nervous at all I hope to god I do not regret this bullish <laughs> this bullish confidence but I just I, you know I, I try to look at logistics and and try to look try try to be you know sort of sober about these things yeah. and I what's making us anxious is because if we drop points it's a major issue but I can't see us dropping points Fair enough. I, I will just dispute the Cityitis thing and say that there was a touch of Cityitis last week in, as regards to us getting a last-minute equaliser and still losing the game. That aspect, the kind of comedic aspect, the um, you know snatching a loss away from the uh, jaws of victory or whichever way around it is, that was certainly Cityitis. But yeah, everything else that I buy into, and, and, and you're absolutely right. I think a large part of it, of me wanting Norwich at home this weekend, is the fact that I've had about three hours sleep all week with, with my nipper. So I just want just to nice relaxing felt, game felt with, uh, with Liverpool as well, right? Liverpool's last couple of results have been, uh, fixtures, sorry, been favourable for them. Mm. You know, at a time when they, they could close the gap, they have had like the sort of oh, Norwich at home, yeah. Leeds at home sort of thing. So, you know, we'll have that at some point as well. Yeah. Okay, chaps, let's get stuck into a little quiz here. Um, no... uh, this is where I'm off. I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> well, all we do... I'm not going to throw them over to, to to each of you. Basically, I'm just going to read out the clubs that a player has played for, who has played for both Everton and City down the years. And you just have a free-for-all. I mean, you can have as many guesses as you want. Shout out um, who you think is the answer. Whoever gets the answer right gets a point. It's as, as straightforward as that. So, Because um, there has been a lot of players who have played for both clubs down the years. Okay, are you ready, lads? Let's do it, Chris. Did you actually get around to cheating and research? no, no? For, for, so, so for, for 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 in the spirit of transparency, I, I said to Steve on a WhatsApp, I said, "What you actually expect us not to Google these players?" <laughs> but for transparency, what I've done, I have looked at the names of players that have played for both, and I, I'm only just going to use my kind of my memory in terms yeah, of yeah. pathway. There, there's a there's a far larger group of players that have played for both clubs than than I anticipated. Well, um, I mean, under Howard Kendall, he signed pretty much the yeah. Everton team, didn't yeah. he? So yeah. Um, okay, right. So we're going to start with a, a fairly easy one because for whatever reason he always pops up in quizzes. This guy, um, so. Yeah, Andy, Harry, Chris, just shout them out, whoever you think this may be. Um, so we started at Carlisle. Then he went to Vancouver Whitecaps. Then he went to Manchester United. Peter Bisley. Was that you, Chris? Yeah. 
It was the, I, th- I thought on Carl, the Carlisle one because he's northeast. How did so? How did you get it on Man United, who he never even played for? As in, he never. No, because no, I knew it. I knew. Okay, so Beardsley has played. Has been on the books of both City and United and Liverpool and Everton. It's, yes. it's a rare feat. But I knew that Beardsley was northeast, and I knew he'd been in Vancouver at some point. Right. Fair enough. I'm, call, I'm calling this one because Carlisle's in the northwest of England, not the northeast. So he, he, he's, been, he's been researching this. He's trying yeah, to yeah, find yeah. a reason. Yeah. Okay. All right, lads, I, I'm, I'm taking this to cast then because I'm not having... <laughs> it's a shocker. Okay, the second player. Um, oh, now we're getting... I don't know how to pronounce this. Jouletteur. Uh, so Jouletteur was his first club. Now I'm assuming... Sylvain Distan. Oh, Harry, was it you? No, uh, I was going to go Sylvain Distan, but... Oh, is it you, Andy? Yeah. That's a great... <laughs> yes, it was Sylvain Sorry, um, referee, re- I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm being called out on three and he gets it on one. I'm not yeah. having it. I'm highly <laughs> suspicious, to be fair. It was, no, <laughs> it was Steve's wonderful French accent. So Thank I'll you see. very much. So yeah, it was Jules Tour, and then he went on to play for Tour. So I'm guessing that's basically the um, senior club. And thank God you didn't get it before. Yeah, uh, you got it before the third one because I can't even pronounce that. Uh, and there's P- PSG, Newcastle, City, Portsmouth, Everton, Bournemouth. Very impressive and very suspicious, Andy. <laughs> okay, the third player. You only played for four clubs, so I'll reveal that. Everton. He start. He came through the ranks at Everton. Played for Everton. Great player for Everton. Then he went to Manchester City, and he was a great player at City too. Richard Dunn. No. Oh. Then, let's say just as many as you want, as many guesses as you want. Then, after playing for Everton and City, he went to Bristol City. Tony Grant. No, good guess. Shit. And then he ended his career at Norwich in the early eighties. Oh. Oh, this is good. I mean, uh, this is well before my time. Sorry. I mean, oh, Carlo Nash. No. Oh, you fuck. <laughs> early 80s. Yeah. Uh, oh, early 80s? That's, that's where he ended his career at Norwich in the early 80s, around about 81, 82. Oh, was it Gary? Not Megson? No, Megson's I'll too. tell you what, I'll, I'll throw another clue out. He then went into management, and he started his management career at Oldham Athletic. Joe Royal. Yeah. Ah. Uh, that's a good one, that Joe Royal. I'm glad I chucked him in. Okay, this is a nice, easy one. Modern day player, you're all right, Harry. <laughs> Thanks. Before your time. The Beatles are before your time. You've heard of them. <laughs> okay. Can, can, Steve, can I just check? Harry, how old are you? 21. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> 21. You've yeah. got far too much wisdom and perspective for 21, I, mate. I, Fair I play. Completely oh, agree, thank you. Very much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Me, 21 years old on a podcast. Jesus. I would, I would <laughs> so embarrass myself. Right. Um, okay. This, this play started at Wolves. Join Let's Go. Oh, that's a draw. No, it's not a draw. I was well in before the little snipper. <laughs> Age so before, age, age before beauty age, on this yeah, one, Harry. Yeah. Step back. <laughs> how do, how do yeah, you feel you about that, Harry? I mean, it's the only point I'll get, so I might have to fight <laughs> it. But... All right, no, you have it, mate. It's fine. Um, Thank you very much. Half a point each. Right. Currently stands Andy on two points, Chris on one and a half points, and Harry <laughs> on a half a point. That could be I'll costly, actually. Not okay. Two players left. No, sorry, three players left. So. 
This guy, I don't know why I always like this guy. Stoke City started for in around about late 70s. Adrian Heath. Yes, bloody hell, oh man. My God. Really good. Andy, you've come on the pod and embarrassed us. It's all right. It's the only punch you're getting this weekend, mate. Yeah. Oh. yeah you, you'll win 5 0 tomorrow, oh. but I'll take the quiz. I'm going to regret it, aren't I? Oh you're going to be clipped on, mate. Oh, God. Inchi started at Stoke, went to Everton, went to Espanyol, went to Villa, which I can't remember at all. I don't remember. No, I don't remember that. No, and then went to Manchester City. Yeah. Uh, and then back to Stoke. Right, two more left. This one is fairly easy, I would I would say. He played for, he represented five clubs, but he only played for four because at first, his first club he didn't really play for. He just came through the ranks at Brighton and Hove Albion. Gareth Barry. Oh, this is. Lads, I you thought are... he came through at Villa. Am I, am I completely no, wrong? No, no he... they, they signed him when he was about 16, 17, didn't they? Yep. Villa. Uh, yeah. Chris Harry, uh... you're letting City down so badly here. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 there's some doping going on here. Yeah, it's not the first time. There's one player left, and this is a comprehensive victory for Everton. This is 2017 all over again, right? This player started at a club I can't pronounce, so that'll give you some clue. It's Zerka Kropinevsky. Joe Kintelskis. Yes. (laughs) What's Andre Kintelskis? Oh my god, it's five to Andy, one and a half to Chris, and half a point to Harry. Oh, I, I think we should edit this out, you know. No, <laughs> I'll, I'll do my talking on the pitch. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, well no, played, Andy. I, I, Andy, well done, mate. That's quality yeah, yeah, knowledge. Yeah. Well done, yeah, man. Please. You can close your uh, Google Windows now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I feel particularly burnt the fact that I had my morality questioned in the first one and then I was completely dicked for the rest of the game. So. <laughs> Lads, I really enjoyed that and let's hope it's an enjoyable game tomorrow. Um, thanks for coming on, Andy. I really appreciate that, mate. Yeah, no pleasure, boys. And uh, if I don't speak to you again this season, good luck and after tomorrow, make sure you don't let them bastards win it. Absolutely. We'll do our very best. Thanks very much, Chris. Yeah, pleasure as always. Andy, with that last comment, you're welcome here anytime. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks, Harry, mate. Yeah, cheers, mate. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening in. That's a wrap for today, folks. We're off to see if World War Three has started yet, or if we can instead go and watch City tomorrow, have a takeaway, read our little ones a bedtime story. World leaders, eh? Bloody lunatics. In the meantime, stay well, stay safe, and forever up the blues. <laughs>